you've joined us for the Conscious Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Ruth Ferenga. On this podcast, I interview leaders who stand out from the crowd because they're doing something particularly progressive or radical with the way they lead their people. And they have a philosophy and practice that makes you really sit up and listen. This month, I'm so pleased to bring you Shanice Mears. She's co-founder of advertising agency, The Elephant Room. And at 26, she's an absolute trailblazer in her space. She provides opportunity to those around her who might not always get the chance. And she's also not afraid at all to speak up for her causes and really push her industry to modernize as well as her clients. She wants them to be truly inclusive and not just speak about it. So I started by asking her how she got to where she is now. I'm originally from Birmingham and I finished university, graduated in dance performance. And then I realized that when I was graduating that I probably didn't want to actually fulfill a full-time career in dance. And then I had a relationship with a previous agency in London. They said that I should go and do a marketing internship that they were launching and they were called Liberty. A part of the internship was a six month contract at a global agency. So then I went to this agency, which Iris, and then from there I met Dan. He became my mentor and he was the CEO at the time. I was really enjoying advertising actually, like the more I got into it and the more I understood the industry, I was like, actually, yeah, I think actually I wanna work in this space because I felt like I could combine all my talents, Mm. like my love for music, my understanding of like different cultural nuances. And there was a part of the industry which was more about like conversations happening not necessarily to do with creative work, but to do with just advertising as a whole. So, like, conversations around, like, for example, the gender pay gap or conversations around representation, they were happening and I didn't really understand why because I didn't know that there was a problem in the first place. And then the more I got into the industry and the more I got into work and I was like, oh, I see, like, I get it now, like... You saw the inequality. Yeah, exactly, or like certain things I would I just wouldn't understand like why we would be working on a campaign and then not involving people that we're trying to kind of like reach and just stuff like that I was like that doesn't make any sense why why would you do that and then I suppose I'm quite a vocal person about things that I care about I got more into those conversations and more into trying to understand why it was the way it was mm. kind of thing voicing my opinion on things, just stuff like that. And I suppose I became like a sort of go-to person in the agency to hear opinion on things. Mm. Like started this like newsletter about black culture and discussing different things that I felt like was relevant and what we should be talking about. And then I was got to the end of the internship and I was like, actually, maybe this is not for me. So they wanted and to keep you and you weren't sure. Well, the conversation didn't really even get that far because Dan had asked me about a month before, like, where my head was at. And I told him kind of like what I just told you, like, I do think this is great, but probably not for me. He was like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? Like, like, almost like, tell me more kind of thing. And then he just proposed that we start a new agency. It was so strange because... That was a conversation I genuinely thought that 
he was going to be like, no, I think you should just take the job. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, take the security. Yeah, yeah. I genuinely thought yeah. that he would, he was going to say something like that to me. Mm. I didn't realize he was going to be like, hmm, like, okay, like, like, tell me more. Like, I didn't think he'd be that intrigued to, yeah, to just do something different, basically. Mm. So this, you worked for an ad agency. Um, you decided it wasn't quite for you, and then the CEO said, "Okay, well, let's set up, set up our own thing." Then. Yeah, basically. Um, and was that that kind of? I mean, that's amazing for a start. So let's just honour that. Um, but <laughs> you obviously made quite the ripple effect where you were, um, both no doubt in terms of the work, but in the wider kind of campaigning work you were doing on the side. Yeah, yeah. And was that decision to go work with him, set up something new with him? Was that to do with the kind of more inclusive? practices you wanted to see or yeah other things yeah it was but I think it was also like it was kind of like I knew that diversity at this point anyway at this point I sort of understood now that diversity and inclusion was a problem like in the industry people are talking about it but you can't really pinpoint practically what's happening to fix it Mm. like at the time you couldn't really pinpoint not for me anyway so I saw that it was a lot of conversation around it a lot of raising awareness to it a lot of sort of thinking okay how can we do x or y but nothing was practically happening to actively try and change behaviors or attitudes of why it's like that and I felt like with the elephant room it was an opportunity for us to really showcase that no like this is what we're about so it was a it was like a practical move to show that if we want to change advertising we have to make bold moves or harsh decisions or hard decisions and stuff like that and I feel like at the time I just didn't think anyone was doing that Mm, or was maybe prepared to make or maybe yeah Mm. yeah basically and what when you say like bold and practical action that sounds pretty good Mm -hmm. um so how how do you do that now how are you making waves where you feel like others are 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 talking or just talking um obviously there's a mix but what what you know both maybe we talked about philosophy around this and Mm -hmm. that's really interesting still and and also kind of day-to-day wise how does that play out for you to be more aware and 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 i guess action orientated in that what decisions does that affect? What people does that affect? I always say that transparency is like one of the most important things in building not only just a business but even just being a leader and stuff. And I'll say it quite like openly that like we're not fully there yet, but we have every intention to be. So for us it's more the smaller things and that can build that have the potential to be big bigger things and more at scale for example like I'm head of talent at the elephant room and a lot of the time when someone goes for a job you'll think about obviously like you know how much they're going to pay blah 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 but then also they'll offer you like a benefits package on maybe it's medical or pension and stuff like that but I always have conversations with Dan like we have to look at what support looks like in the real world so yeah fair enough 
it would be great to give young people jobs or people jobs and stuff like that but on a day-to-day people still need help like some people don't even know where to go how to read this like read look at a cv and redo it some people don't know where to access mentoring what mentoring even looks like as a form of a relationship some people don't know where to go for tools or resources if they want to get a contact some people don't even know what a pitch deck is like just little stuff like that and I feel like that's where I wanted to start like the groundwork on being able to make us as an agency accessible Mm. for those people who don't know those things so we like we've done work in universities I've talked at like different like places like Leeds and um, UAL and done a lot of work with their creative shift team but then equally like started the creative storytellers which is our event series which started in um I want to say 2018 now 2018 in February or 2019 2019 I think I think it's a year old 2019 in February and that was all about like being able to just empower equip enable people to just be in a space and ask the questions that they felt like they can't ask or you know things like um how do I know that I need to negotiate a number like what does like mm. how do I get that number or so that kind of career outreach is quite important for you which is quite a big deal for a small agency to be spending time yeah. and energy on that when in theory you could be like oh we have to focus on the clients the, the bottom line and yeah mm. but then that's it like but with that like when you build a key, I don't think it's for me anyway, I don't think it's either or. I feel like as you build out that community of people who you're helping and who you're giving value to, clients are also thinking, oh my gosh, that's really interesting. Who is this community and how 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 are you engaging them? Why are you engaging them? And I call them like the curious clients, the ones that want to be able to sort of also connect with those same audiences, but just don't really know how so we can bridge that gap of that language and that relationship and facilitate that space for them where we can just invite them to an event or we can say oh just come to a workshop and they realize that oh okay this is what people are talking about or oh okay this is what young people want and like we've had conversations around generational attitudes versus age like we've talked about music as protests and what that means for brands we've talked about hidden careers and the power of network and sustaining that like it's it's so very like it's so varied but there are I mean I couldn't name one to be honest any agency facilitating that type of space within advertising and the wider creative industry so talking about music and labels and independence and and being a portfolio having a portfolio career but then also talking about branding and marketing and how to win a client like I don't know anyone Mm. currently facilitating those conversations and making it accessible where people can actually afford to go in in your presence right now I feel like I could tell you loads of stuff you're very comfortable to be person to be around and and I wonder to to give off a vibe of um openness and that someone could share yeah what's going badly what's going well or that they're actually really struggling yeah. um that that's I guess a tone as well that that you and Dan are kind of creating yeah as a kind of as leaders in your space I hope so because I feel like really and truly judgment shouldn't come from anywhere I personally think so like 
I don't have the right to judge anyone. Like everyone doesn't know something and everyone has a weakness in something. So as a as a leader, it's your kind of job to make sure that people feel safe enough to just be transparent about that so then you can move forward to work on those strengths and weaknesses. So I feel like when it comes to like especially like with me managing like say our talent base don't matter who you are you have something to that you have some form of value and I know that because I struggled a lot in my early sometimes even still now but early years of definitely entering the industry like understanding what my value was I didn't get it because everyone seemed to have like an amazing design skill or copywriting skill or like everyone was just good at something and I was just like I don't know what I'm good at because I'm not I'm not very hands-on-y like I don't produce any work it's not a finished output of creative crap do you know what I mean like I didn't understand how value was within me because I didn't have an output like that Mm. and it was Dan really unpacked that for me and others like especially within the elephant room team early on like like no shan like that's just it's character isn't it it's like you being approachable and being able to listen and articulate yourself in a certain way and facilitate certain conversations and then coming up with ideas and then just trial and error like and I was like oh mm. and that's actually quite a big deal because I mean we know from some of the recent research into what makes for want of a better word successful modern leaders is less about technical skill yeah. is less about being a visionary and a hero yeah. and is more about being able to facilitate a conversation yeah. to better promote diversity promote a difference yeah. and and create connection amongst potentially um forces pulling in different directions right so yeah. to bring things up and out bring yeah. so that sounds like quite critical really and I, and I wonder how much do you do that i think you mentioned before when we talked about about you said something about understanding or seeing the value and spark with like in anyone and i wondered yeah. how that plays out with the people you you lead and you're in the talent kind of pool that you're working with I think it's just it does depend because it could it could be a project and it could be like I have my eye on a lot of people that I'm just sort of stalking <laughs> and until it's the right time I'll be like okay this is what's happening but then sometimes it's also about like low risk so for us it's like if we have a small project Instead of going with a familiar face or name, why not give it to somebody new? Because we'll never know the potential, really, will we? So that's kind of it, like being able to be like, okay, what can we do right now to bring out confidence or value in somebody that we've never met before or done before? So Mm, so you're really up for giving people a chance? Yeah, for sure, like. And also as well, like that thing about what I was saying, like what does support look like? Sometimes we don't have a job, which is just natural because we're a small business. We don't have a job for everyone. But we do have like amazing expertise in terms of like what we know and how we've like navigated certain spaces and stuff. And sometimes people just need that extra bit of encouragement. Mm. Like like yeah of course you can do that I've done this and actually before that like just giving like practical advice on how you do that like Mm. yesterday I was going through some CVs for um a guy who wanted to apply for a job within advertising he's making a transition and he was like I felt like a 40 year old like 
why don't I know all of this? And I was like, it's not about age. Like, sometimes you just don't know. Like, you've never worked in advertising before, so why would like, why would you know that that's what people do? Do you know what I mean? Like, and he didn't feel like, although, yeah, he was, like, bantering and stuff, but he didn't feel ashamed to say that because he was just learning something new. Mm. And I pride myself in making sure that people feel safe enough to be like, come to me and if they don't know something and they want to learn it or if they want to revamp their CV, they feel like, yeah, actually, I don't know this. Like, you create a safe space around that in order mm. for them to do so. So it is about giving people their first chance or their first try, but it's also making sure that you create a space where people feel like they can just come to you because mm. they need that support. Do you know what I mean? So it's not just the opportunity, but it's creating that real safety net for them that you'll also catch them a bit if they'll fall or, or that people make mistakes. and yeah, yeah, for sure. And just being understanding to it, really, isn't it? Like, sometimes it's frustrating because you're like, how do you not know this? <laughs> but then... But that's, that's just a part of it, yeah. isn't it? Like, I'm wondering who, you, who in your past, obviously Dan... Um, supported you a lot and giving you those some chances and things but is there anyone else that has influenced you and kind of allowed you that kind of safety and opportunity in your life that that has kind of inspired you to ah oh, loads of people anyone in particular loads I think to be honest like from my childhood like growing up I've always had people that support me whether that be through dance obviously I started dancing quite young so I had quite a few people really championing that for a long time my mom has always obviously told me I can do whatever I want so as not I mean not obviously not every not every parent says that, yeah so, not but that's every, been a big influence hasn't it yeah that's yeah. true that's actually very true but I mean she's had her moments but <laughs> I feel like she definitely doesn't ever make me feel like I can't do something so that's helped me because I'm like, oh, yeah. And the worst that could happen, I just don't like it or it just doesn't work out. Like, And you just keep on going. So I feel like that resilience is definitely built off the back of her. Um, like my siblings. Honestly, there's so many people that I feel like... And it's not even necessarily just like help, but I'm like really inspired by people around me. So like even just like peers and stuff and like seeing people do something and I'm like that's so inspiring like hmm. so you, you I, hang out with other people innovating and supporting yeah. each other so that's quite a co-supportive network you yeah you definitely I think so like like I think all my friends are some form of entrepreneur or <laughs> they're doing something that's definitely out of the box like yeah. or they're they've got like a really cool skill that I'm just like I wish I could do that like <laughs> Like, and I think that's what just keeps me motivated. And it makes me feel like if I'm not the person who can do it, then at least make me be the person that can give you an opportunity to. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, fair enough. I can't take the job because I'm not an amazing juror. But if I can get the opportunity for the juror to do, then I've played a part somehow in that journey. Mm. So we take a lot of pleasure from that mobilisation of... Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really good word, yeah, that mobilisation, like, yeah. You're listening to the Conscious Leaders podcast, talking to Shanice Mears. In this next part of the podcast, Shanice talks about her response to an open letter from Adland in the wake of George Floyd's death and Black Lives Matter. This response by the advertising world was signed by 200 top CEOs in the industry. 
and Shanice's words about it went viral as she expressed her disappointment and what she'd really like to see the industry stepping up to do. I mean, I don't know if you've read the letter, but I like I named like Brianna Taylor, Trayvon Martin, Ahmed Aubrey, like the, the like Philando Castile, Eric Garner. Like the list goes on. How many people have died? For you? like, do you know what I mean? Like, like George Floyd is one of very many names that you know those injustices has happened to, and now you want to say I'm sorry, not sorry, but be accountable again no, and it's you're waking like up. yeah and I just I just I just for me something about it that was just really uncomfortable to be honest like especially as a black person who constantly feels like you always get told you have to work twice as hard or you always get told you can't have your hair that way or you always get told oh make sure you don't speak this way or you're always constantly like this chip on your shoulder you have to be armored up because you know you don't want people to think that you know you're from the ghetto or you're from and it's like we constantly have that battle on a daily basis and that's not right so surely you'd want to just end that like it doesn't take someone dying for you to consider those things to be things you want to battle do you know what I mean like so did it feel like a a PR exercise in itself when you read it Mm, I don't know if it felt like a PR exercise it just it just felt like to me like this is just not good enough that's all it just felt like I just felt like it's not good enough like come on like 200 of you like you could have come up with something better than this but at the same time I do want to say and know that it wasn't done with bad intent because the people behind it like there was counsel behind it and I know that it was like to finally say no you know what we do need to do something and for that reason I can respect where it's come from but we have we just have to and this is not even about them and us or a we and me this is everyone I'm a part of the industry like hence why the elephant room does the work that it's doing because we're all accountable do you know what I mean like and the moment I I say stop doing the work or stop talking about stuff like that or if I didn't call it out then I wouldn't be doing my job do you know what I mean because you have to you have to recognize that this is not necessarily for me or you it's for the generations to come Mm. so that they don't have to be repeated of the same things or stereotypes or lack of opportunity or access because of the color of their skin or sexual orientation or gender or stuff like that so for me it was just more about addressing something that needed to be I won't won't even say called out I don't like the word call out but I felt like it needed to be called out in order to get momentum Mm. and it sounds like what you're saying and do correct me if I'm wrong is that it felt like words and suddenly everyone's like oh we should hire more black people or something or we haven't done enough and it's a bit like oh now you're waking up and now you're making all these commitments and it seemed like a lot of companies at the time were doing the same thing yeah my I don't know about your inbox but mine was full of commitment (laughs) statements which was great um and, and it sounds like what you wanted to see was just action um but yeah. yeah, tell me, tell me. Don't let me put those words in your mouth. Tell me what you did want to see, um, or what, yeah. or what you are or aren't I seeing just, since. I just wanted to see like 
without being rude because I'm trying to just be polite here. Don't be that yeah. too polite. <laughs> but I'm like, you can be upfront. It's okay. Like, let's be real. Ten steps to being better, inclusion and di- what? Like, it doesn't like. This is not a DIY exercise of like how to put your table together. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't just write 10 steps and expect everyone to go away and be like, okay, got it now. Like to me, that's just very, very lazy. Like you as, and like I said, it's it's because as well of, again, let me be polite, but the profile of names and companies on that list the best you could do was 10 steps, like, that's a joke, like, come on now, like, there should be, you guys should be demonstrating, like, examples of what you guys actually practically have done, and, and using case studies to that, and then bringing other young people, I'm sure it was even a white person that wrote the article, like, at least get a black person to write it from their perspective, to understand what's really happening, the breakdown of language and addressing that you know what I mean take some accountability like this has happened before and now this like that's what I would have preferred to have read I'm like oh wow okay like this person's really like this person's really gone in and I'm glad I'm glad they showed that example and I'm I'm glad they used that person as a case study to say okay yeah we did that makes more sense to me than saying oh yeah we pledged to give more um opportunities to black talent or non-white talent and also here's 10 steps to how you guys want we don't need to see we actually just don't even need to see that or hear that and I think like I said in the like I said in the letter like it is about company policy and about retention schemes and what you're doing to as a well-being offering like a lot of people went through a lot of emotional labor that like during that period a lot of black employees particularly what did you do for them then tell us what you did for your black employees that like do you know what I mean like it's it's kind of like how have you demonstrated that you are truly an ally in this and that for me is what is important like your hiring methods or like even your firing methods like some people don't care about this and are you going to still align yourself with those people as a company like what like what does that say about you as an organization and stuff like that and values and mission statements and all of that can be put out but ultimately if you don't see the action Hmm. then it doesn't mean anything at all and it's it's so easy to say oh we're gonna do a what's it called an employee resource group and create like a you know a black at this place or a leader but then you're still asking people to work outside of their working hours to educate something that you created Mm. (laughs) a problem you created like people should feel that there's I always say like there's a value exchange in everything so you should never make people feel like they're doing it just to educate you like Mm. that's not the value for them because they already know what they're doing like you have to make sure that people feel empowered and that's the problem like black people don't feel empowered in the in the workplace and if they did they wouldn't mind leading the dni uh talk or doing a workshop they wouldn't mind doing all the stuff like that but they know that they're only being asked to do it is because now the company's on the spot and it's like oh we need someone mm, tokenistic you know? black yeah. person please step up yeah, yeah do you know what i mean it's mm. like well actually it wouldn't even be that if you were just empowering everyone 
fairly and giving them opportunities and supporting them on their journey of self and personal development and career development because ultimately that is what people need like I think it's one of them ones where oh again in the letter I said it where I I had someone contact me after the letter saying how they went to an interview it was a guy went to an interview and he had hair and he was contemplating for ages prior to the interview whether he should cut his hair or not and his girlfriend was like no <laughs> and if you do have to cut your hair that's not the place for you like what and he said that it's crazy because he got the job in the end and it was fine but he was like isn't it funny how I was more worried about what they would think of me and not get the job because of my hair rather than my actual skill and trying to mm, the very fact they had to think about that yeah like and that was what was driving him to not have it or not, nothing to do with his ability to actually do the job mm. just everything about his aesthetic and who he is and that is an everyday battle for people like it's not they don't not go for the job sometimes because they feel like they're incapable of doing the job. They don't go for it because they feel like what they look like is going to hinder them. And that's a really sad thing. Like, Hence why people have a lack of black applicants, for example, or stuff like that. But then you have to be transparent and say that, no, you are welcome. Like, sometimes you do have to say you are welcome as you are. Like, Companies will be like, yeah, but we accept everyone. Yeah, but you haven't put that anywhere. Yeah, and, and all your people that, wearing and suits all your, on your website. Exactly, and yeah. everyone looks the same on your website. And yeah. not so how would they know that? Like, You're not going to make the assumption that you're welcome if you don't see anyone like yourself. And I just think it's just stuff like that that I just, I don't, I personally don't like. And I feel like needs to change. But like I said, at the Elephant Room, like we're only six people. So <laughs> like, you know, one step at a time. And we are also still figuring out what it is that we do best and then just going in at that. But at the same time, we are are also exploring different ways in which we can support different types of talent. Not only black talent, all types of talent, Mm. but particularly black talent, I suppose, because we feel like we see that there is a a massive disparity. Um, and there's huge resources there, untapped resource, no doubt. Yeah, if people ex- are feeling underconfident to apply. Or... Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I mean, it feels from my perspective that white people, myself included, need to listen more. So it's all very well, like here's mm. ten steps, like yeah. your IKEA furniture. Let's do ten steps to to inclusivity. But instead of that, it, less statements, more kind of. Well, how about I just sit back and you tell me what yeah. what what needs to change? You tell me the harsh reality for you because I have experienced quite a lot of privilege in my life and you know I wonder what it's like for you and I wonder how we can change it that that yeah. feels like what we need to do more of yeah I mean it's I think it's a combination of a lot of things it's like it's listening it's self-educating hmm. it's like like how many I, don't, I mean I don't know about you but during that period how many people were posting the books they were reading and like <laughs> the the articles they had just found and I'm like first of all you don't need to do that like you don't need to post that you're reading about educating yourself just do it just actually do it <laughs> yeah just, just do, do it work. yeah and now all of that's died down 
like you can't you know no one's posting the books they're reading mm-hmm. anymore because it's not it's not a trend or it's not hype in the media like that anymore and it's like behind closed doors that's when it really matters like what are you doing and how are you educating yourself and it could be as simple as like watching a documentary on lovers rock reggae learning about culture like and simply just understanding oh this is where it comes from oh because people weren't allowed to perform and they had to oh like do you know what I mean like there's so much protest in a lot of culture because people were denied spaces and places then they had to create things for themselves and really if people understood that more we wouldn't have a conversation about all lives matter for example because you'd know that of course all lives matter but black people are being killed disproportionately to white people and asian people so of course black lives matter are is the point we're yeah, making right now <laughs> do you know yes. what i mean like yeah. do you know yeah. what i mean like so we can't really say all lives matter until black lives matter do you yeah. know what i mean so yeah and you would understand that if you had educated yourself and there's I, like there's so many stories like historically like that i could say or mention about things that have happened there's documentaries you could watch and do you know what i mean like real life things like just most recently there's me and my husband were watching it the other day the uh the guy from Manchester or Liverpool, Anthony, that's on BBC iPlayer, they've decided to put his story on. Just a racist attack at a bus stop. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that is happening, like, plain sight. And a lot of the time, people think, like, oh, like, it's not even, like, you guys are all overreacting. It's, like, not really. Like, there are stories out there, just a lot of them are untold. Mm. And you mentioned privilege, like... The concept of privilege is mostly invisible to those that have it. So you wouldn't even really know unless you know. And that to understand that you are privileged as a white person is is self-aware. You're quite self-aware because Dan, for example, knows that he's privileged and he exercises his privilege in a way where it can benefit other people, i.e. myself. So he understands that because he's a privileged white man. Mm. But then... There are other people that are like, no, I just worked super hard. And it's like, no, yeah, that doesn't take... Like, being privileged doesn't mean that you haven't worked hard. It just means that you are privileged in a certain space or position. I'm also privileged, like, the fact that I get to live in London and I'm not from Birmingham and I can afford to live in Brixton. Like, that's a privilege. A lot of people can't afford that or a lot of people can't... They can't even imagine doing that because they don't earn a certain amount. Like, there's different ways of identifying what privilege is whether that be class whether that be race you know what I mean and I think those are the things that we need to fully understand around things even being in the creative industry to some extent is a privilege some people can't even study a creative subject because their parents won't allow them to because of the lack of education around what comes with a creative career that it's a privilege to also be do you know what I mean like and I think that sometimes people think that it's an attack when you say something like that and it's not it's just Just a reality yeah it's just a reality exactly (laughs) and just allowing yourself to recognize the space that you occupy and then making sure that other people can feel like okay like okay that's reachable or achievable for me or okay I understand that now like this is why this has to happen instead of that and I think a lot of the time I like even like for example like I don't mind having an uncomfortable conversation with like say my white friends or Dan or anyone because we know like 
uncomfortable conversation it's life like it's mm. not just between white and black people or asian it's uncomfortable conversation with my parents like do you know what i mean it's just they're just a part of life and i feel like a lot of people feel like they can avoid stuff well, especially the Brits. We're yeah, not exactly yeah. great at discomfort, yeah. are we? Like, yeah, exactly. Well, let's just pack that back in the box and have a cup of tea. Yeah, exactly. Or let's just never talk about that ever yeah, again. Yeah, Like, do you know what I mean? And, and I, I don't get that because I'm like, we have like we have to go through forms of to discomfort. Do, do you yeah. know what I mean? And do you find you don't... I mean, just taking this sort of, in a way, over to clients and, um, and how you work with clients. And I know a lot of people, when they come to you, maybe not are not particularly coming on an inclusivity agenda they're coming to promote a product or a mm-hmm. campaign and uh, can you say anything about about that you know whether you're taking people on a journey around dialogue inclusivity in terms of the way you work with clients yeah we have like so we have something called inclusive by design which is where we say that how we how we build in the inclusivity of a product is about understanding not only the client like what the client wants but also the audience participation so bringing the audience in and getting them to sort of I suppose provide counsel on okay is this is this right does that work is this the right way to promote this product why why is that the right way and really delving more deeper into the insight of that and then off the back of that you can create the creative work that your audience want and technically client can't really argue with that because they are the consumer and they are the ones buying the product or purchasing the product or whatever or the service or whatever it is and I feel like we always like at the moment we're saying like we're we're, we're building like modern inclusive brands that are positive for people and positive for the planet and ultimately if you don't want to be a brand like that I don't know what kind of brand you're trying to be do you know what I mean because it's like why wouldn't you want to be positive for people and why wouldn't you want to be positive for the planet and other other than those two things what else would you be Mm. do you know what I mean so you're helping people understand their customer base much more deeply the widest possible yeah and 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 also like in a in a in a much more contemporary way like it, it some people no not some people i'd say some agencies have such a traditional mindset in how they formulate an idea or how they wish to advertise a product and because it's worked for so long by default it's the right way to do it but the world is changing first of all and there is such thing as like cultural change and cultural capital and ultimately you could argue that that cultural capital if you do not have that your brand will die pretty quickly because brand love and brand loyalty isn't the same as it was 25 years ago so people are much more conscious about what they're buying into or who they're giving their money to or where that's coming from and if you don't build that for the community within culture whether that be popular culture or a certain just community that you're targeting then they won't want to know because of like oh I don't identify with that or I can't see myself in that because it's not relatable to me Mm. and I think that's what we're helping brands understand that it's like you have to be inclusive of those people like that's not to say you have to stop doing what you've 
doing like everything is wrong it just means that you have to just update you have to move with the <laughs> you know like yeah it's like it's, mm. it's like an apple phone like your software needs updating sometimes do you know what i mean but so you mean, help people upgrade their yeah. cultural software yeah yeah, yeah like <laughs> doesn't mean you've lost all your data on your phone it just means yeah. it's updated because how you use it do you know what I mean and I think that's kind of how I look at it it's like I'm not saying what you're doing is completely wrong it's just the way in which people think and the way in which people want to be sold products and stuff is it's just different like and and you have to adhere to that because mm. they are your they are your customer base do you know what and I mean? how, how do companies receive that is that normally quite well received as you take people on this journey or do you butt up against tradition from clients much <laughs> i mean i say it's a hit and miss some com- like like a lot of traditional companies they want to know okay so what does that mean for me i.e how is that making me money or i.e and why is this relevant and you do have to go deeper into that like into what the case. This, yeah like into yeah. that case or into the kpis and that's not my bag that's more Matt and Dan but shout out but (laughs) but like eventually they they understand why they understand why the two coexist like why it's not just about money and Mm. never about because it's kind of two they're kind of almost the same thing yeah they're the same yeah they are the same I mean I'm always talking about well-being and productivity and performance and yeah I'm like it's all one thing yeah you call it bottom line success well-being productivity performance it's it's all the exactly and it's kind of like it's like i always i always think a a really good example of it for me is unlimited holiday so there's a lot of companies who are starting that now like they give unlimited holiday but they've built a company culture where their staff actually really enjoy working for them so they never take they don't take any holiday (laughs) they never take it yeah and it's like it's just it's a bit like that like that because they've built up such a brand, uh, I say brand, organization, love and loyalty from their people. That it's like they don't want to leave them. Like they just don't right? mind. Like yeah. they just don't mind. And it's like ultimately as a brand, that's what you want from your consumers, right? You want them to just think, I don't mind how much that product is. Just give it me because I'll, I'll buy it. I don't even know I'm spending a thousand pounds by the time I look at my account. And I think that's kind of, that's kind of like some brands have done it really well like you know the apples of the world and you know you've got like you next you know you've got like 10 apple products in your house and you're like how did I even get here but then equally um some brands like they they understand that other brands are doing it well but they just don't understand quite the journey of how they got there so we have to take them back and then outline the things that are happening it's like well yeah because people are building a brand love and loyalty to people who relate to them so it's not just about the product it's how that product speaks to them or it's how that internal company have been transparent about say their policy and they really like that ben and jerry is a really good example like they're so transparent about their principles and what they stand for and obviously their ice cream's great but actually people really buy into their brand because they feel like yeah this is a brand they live it yeah like Hmm. this is a brand i can really mess with because shout out for ben and jerry yeah Yeah. (laughs) like they're just they're really cool like i really like these like i really like these brands like this Mm. brand and i think i mean it's probably going off on a tangent but i think a lot of the time when clients come to us of course there is a little bit of fear in them 
because it's something they've never done before but ultimately that's natural you'll fear anything you haven't done before do you know what I mean so it's Mm. like the fear of an unknown but if you can give examples as to why it works and I suppose case studies as to what what went well Mm. previously done before yeah and you've worked with big brands like Uber and Converse and you know you it's not like you're the rogue yeah 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 it's not there is proof of concept yeah um yeah and it, and it's just about taking that journey like it, yeah it really is just about taking that journey with the client and be willing and like be willing to do that and we also have to have the the patience but and not all clients are bad like some clients come <laughs> some clients come to us and they're already on that journey they just want to yeah, yeah they just want to continue to align with agencies that think like them and that's cool as well like mm. do you know what i mean and i think i think i think that we are in a really great position to be able to be like yeah we can help clients if they feel like they need help but then equally if they don't need help we can still help them in different ways because not every client needs that type of help mm. do you know what I mean when it comes to inclusion and yeah diversity and representation and our, like our team is still a one like creative director and our clients and strategy like everyone's amazing at what they do so ultimately you also just want to work with very talented people so mm. And it is, I mean, sort of panning out briefly, because just, um, you're very interesting, so I could talk to you for ages, but um, uh, beyond your work, you do, and what actually interested me when I met your co-founder as well, was that um, beyond your work, in work time, you're doing a lot of, or or a significant level of time doing extra projects or things that are good for the community. Mm. Did you want to say anything about about that? Because that kind of seems to play into your style as a leader that you allow that in your business that people can take on that that work and it doesn't have to be in the evenings or at weekends it might end up yeah in the week yeah I mean it kind of just happened I suppose like I started girls girls that talk is a platform that I have which is all about bringing women together like-minded women together who can connect learn educate network and be able to do that in a place where they feel like they are one so that was particularly I suppose inspired by when I moved to London and I'm not really having that 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 click really that that community of women that I could just go to and I feel like everything I do for me anyway there's like an interlink like everything is relevant to something so whether that be me building out girls that's talk and the community of women or whether that be me working on a music project with artists that I've sort of worked with on the side. Because it's all learning, isn't it? And it's all a part of culture. And that mm. all leads back into advertising. So so that feeds into your work. Yeah. So when the client comes to us and says, like, what's the what's the UK music landscape like? I can un- I can answer that question easily. Because mm. actually on the side, I'm, I'm doing some music stuff over here. And then say oh we want to reach females age 25 to 35 do you understand okay yeah I've got I've got a mailing list full of females because I'm doing girls let's talk do you know what I mean like everything kind of feeds back into it and then when when I do it I don't also feel like I'm doing a side hustle and work or it's just one yeah everything is just one Mm. you can see that with the way you talk about things that they they just merge and I guess you've been given that freedom because you run co-run this company but you also allow that for others so they can yeah, bring that sure. creativity and space into their life and work 
yeah and it goes back to what you just said about you know the whole well-being offering it's like sometimes it's like how do people just want to sort of maintain their happiness and I think it's quite nice to be able to say to your employers or employees or whatever oh yeah go and do what you feel like makes you happy and they can do something which is quite productive and that they can bring back into work and it just makes them enjoy work even yeah, more than amazing do you know what I mean like which is great like for me, I think that's amazing. So whether that be, you know, uh, Matt has his common sense strategy club, which is incredible. I think what he's building about trying to give people an understanding of what strategy is in the most simplest way and mm-hmm. support. Of course, that, why would we say, why would we say to you, no, you absolutely cannot yeah, do that. Yeah, or only do it on, <laughs> yeah. on a weekend. You know what I mean? Like, no, don't do that. Like, of course, that's mm. great. Like, And you mentioned well-being and kind of just to sort of close the interview, as, as sad as it is, because this, um, this could carry on. Like, how do you look after yourself? You know, you, you've got a lot of clients, no doubt advertising can be pressured. What, what helps you nourish yourself and your well-being? Um, I think I'm still... I'm still on that like journey of self I say which is all about learning about discipline and balance and stuff like that like I'm I've obviously grew up dancing so dancing for me all my life has been like a very big outlet of expression I stopped when I moved here and then I started teaching recently I've stopped teaching again because I'm going to start lecturing so I had to sort of one had to give mm, lecturing in dance or no lecturing in um customer mindfulness oh. at kingston university mm. but i think for me it's about really like outlining where i want to put my energy into and things that make me happy so i'm constantly looking at ways in which that I can say for example get involved with things that I love so whether that be a music project or whether that be a fashion project or something I'll just do that because I feel like that just makes me happy and it fuels me it was dancing before I was teaching the kids and whatever it sounds quite a lot of writing you have in your life yeah it is always doing something yeah and people but then also I just like hanging out with friends and just being normal and going to a rave and just being okay I mean not in COVID post COVID yeah yeah. but do you know what I mean I just I like that and then also I always think like my dad died when I was really young and I remember my mum always telling me like like not like oh life's short because that's like so cliche but she just says like you don't really have a lot of time to be unhappy so just whatever you do just make sure that happiness is always the destination and I kind of feel like that's true you know like why would I spend time like doing things that don't make me happy doesn't make sense because like you just you just don't know isn't it so obviously yeah there's going to be times where you don't feel up for it or you know you want to just relax and chill which is that's when you that's when that's about discipline and knowing when to sort of turn off or when to say no and stuff like that but ultimately I only do things where I know that I'm happy doing them so even if I decide to say give up my free time I'll do it because I know I'm doing it because it also makes me happy and it's not it's not Mm. something that I just do because I feel pressured to do I feel because actually I, I quite enjoy it 
so which is why I do I do so much outside of work because actually I just quite enjoy like Mm. so your mum believed in you she saw that spark and she also with your dad's death I guess reinforced how much you don't have any time to waste yeah yeah we don't yeah not yeah we don't and I mean why and it and like it wasn't like oh you know like (laughs) we're all gonna die soon it wasn't like that or anything (laughs) she was just saying like you know like why not like 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 why not do things that make you happy like like you you could you could do something Jim Carrey's got a quote I love quotes by the way and Jim Carrey's got a quote like you could you could pretty much fail at something you hate doing so why not fail at something you love and I was like that's so true isn't it that's so Mm. true like why would you do that so give it a shot it sounds like that's kind of what you do for your talent pool and stuff is you give people a shot yeah and and these people are incredibly talented so with or without us they would be doing something but actually why like why not just make more opportunity because do you know what I mean and it's always I always say like me and Dan talk about it all the time but I'm like it's always about the value exchange like we give value to them and they give value to us like people will never forget what you've done for them if you've done something great And I think that's what you want to be remembered for, really. You've been listening to the Conscious Leaders podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Shani. I really loved her warmth and her deep sense of faith in those around her. If you did enjoy it, I'd love it if you would leave us a rating or a review. Okay, signing off from Ruth Ferenga, founder of Mindful Pathway. We are a leadership development consultancy, helping leaders create the space they need to succeed through coaching and training. You can find us at mindfulpathway.co.uk.